UFC Mexico was a pretty good card. There were some interesting decisions. There was a canceled fight, and there was some very sketchy refereeing. But overall, these fights delivered, and let's talk about them. First, let's talk about the bets. Sort of a mixed night when the bets come. I was very, very lean. I only put 2.25 units out into the world, and the straight bets did pretty well. The safety parlay did break. Just say a couple of uh, our fathers and a Hail Mary for the safety parlay. I did hit nine in a row. We were on an all-time streak. The previous streak was eight. It broke at nine. Couldn't get it to nine. Brandon Moreno absolutely blew up the safety parlay. We'll talk about his fight in a little bit. Jacob's underdog lock of the week also blew it, and not in the traditional sense. Christian Quinones, I think, was winning that fight, was doing very well. The wrestling looked spectacular. And then he just did a little bit of a lazy getup, got his throat got, but we will talk about that in a second. My shining star for last night, if you watch the Tuesday live stream, you watch Jacob and I scream and yell and argue. And I said, I think Brian Ortega wins this fight. And he laughed and, you know, he did that whole little man thing, like tried to make a scene of it because that's what little people do. And he laughed at it and he said, let's bet $500. And I did bet him $500. And it delivered. Here's my bet openly slip, taking Jacobs of $500 from him. That was uh, that made up for my safety parlay losses, but obviously not yours, which is a shame. The safety parlay does continue to be a success. I have been saying week in and week out, none of these numbers say 100%. It's impossible in this space. How could you know that Brandon Moreno would come out there and completely forget how to throw combinations? How could you know that? Nobody would have known that, but I have hit nine of the last 10 parlays. I have never had a losing month, and by month, I mean rolling 30 days. I have never had a rolling 30 days of losing money with safety parlays. The overall event win percentage all time, 72%. The lifetime return on investment in the safety parlay, 30%. And that's what I like to do when things don't go well one time. I like to zoom out, look at it as a whole, and say, you know what? As a whole, this does continue to be successful. So last night, a bit of a bit of a disappointment, Brandon Moreno. But I am confident that the long-term success is still there. If you want to unlock the safety parlay for UFC Vegas 87, then UFC 299, WeWantPicks.com, click become a member. It's only $10 a month. You'll get everything in the world, including the safety parlay. Let's talk about the fights specifically. I, I listen, I got, uh, unironically, went out with the neighbors, got some Mexican. So I didn't see every single fight, but we're going to recap the ones that I did see. First of all, how good is Muhammad Naimov? I mean, last night he looked spectacular. And this is not his first fight where he came out there and just absolutely blasted somebody into oblivion. Now, all of a sudden, Muhammad Naimov is 3-0 in the UFC. One of those fights was a short-notice, big-time underdog win. But we haven't seen that matchup yet, at least in my opinion. We haven't seen the matchup where you're like, wow, this guy is incredible. I don't know how good he is yet. He may be incredible, or he may go out there, fight somebody with a good chin that stays in his face, and he can't fight backing up. Or he may go out there, fight somebody who's got some well-timed takedowns, and he can't fight that pace. We don't know yet. Obviously, last night he looked incredible. I think we're going to have to continue to assume that he is incredible, and we're just going to have to monitor his matchups pretty closely until he does get that guy 
that has nice takedowns. He did get that guy with good, solid pressure that stays in your face. Until then, he's going to move forward. He's going to control the pace, and he's going to blast you in the face and do what he does. So Muhammad Naimov might be incredible. I mean, he looked incredible last night. He looked incredible as UFC debut. The Nathaniel Wood fight was a little sketchy, a little back and forth, a little bit sloppy. But he looked great last night. I think everybody picked him. I don't think I saw a single person in this sphere that didn't pick Muhammad Naimov to win. I was probably a little more cautious than most because I did think he was going to slow down. But it didn't matter. It didn't even go far enough for him to slow down. So Muhammad Naimov... As of right now, this minute is the real deal. Let's keep an eye on it. Let's see what his next matchup is. I am I am very interested to see where he goes. And these are the exact type of guys that get very exciting, right? This is what we want. A guy that shows up blasting people in dogfights, making really cool stuff happen so that we can get excited for his next fight. This is what we want. We want new blood in these divisions. Let's talk about Frost Ziam and Claudio Playas. If you remember, last week, a couple times, I annihilated Claudio Playas for being a jiu-jitsu nerd. Annihilated him for being a jiu-jitsu nerd. And I picked Frost Ziam to win. He was my, so I was correct in the pick. Who cares? I think this might be a bad decision. I watched this fight on mute, so I don't know what the commentators were saying. They may have been agreeing with me. I don't know. I watched this fight on mute, and all I could think was Claudio Puelas is no longer a jiu-jitsu nerd. In that last fight with Dan Hooker, he was wiping his own ass across the mat, scooting on his back, just scooting on his back trying to make something happen. In this fight, he moved forward, threw whatever he could throw, and then shot takedowns. I don't expect every single fighter to be insanely well-rounded, have incredible striking and incredible wrestling, and incredible jiu-jitsu. We're just not there as a sport yet, right? We don't have a whole bunch of people that have been doing MMA since they were small children. When that generation comes up, when there's a whole generation of people that have only ever done all of mixed martial arts, that's when we could expect every single person to be good at everything. Right now, we're still in the second generation of fighters. We still have a whole bunch of fighters that are really, really good at one thing, pretty good at two things. I do think the sport has passed up the people that are really good at one thing. We saw that with Carlos Vera and his bullshit two weeks ago. We saw that in Claudio Playas in his last fight. You can't be really good at one single thing. You can't only be a striker and have no takedown defense. You can't only be good at jiu-jitsu and have no takedown offense. Claudio Poilus, I think, crossed through that. You ever see that show Quantum Leap? He fucking quantum leaped himself into a world where Claudio Playlist is now good at two things, not just one thing. It's not just jujitsu anymore. A, it's no longer leg lock or bust. He was trying real jujitsu moves. Obviously, leg locks are real moves, but the, the, I mean, those are high risk type moves in an MMA fight. And B, I think I did A and not one. B, he can wrestle. He can shoot takedowns and get it to the ground appropriately. I'm good with Claudio Playlist and others being good at two things. As long as you also can control if the fight is standing or on the ground, then you're good. And I think Claudio Playos did an excellent job with that. And let's look at the scorecards. I got a couple of screenshots here. Let's look at the scorecards. Claudio Playos had mixed scores on every single one. Of the, no two of cards looked the same. Raul Salas said Claudio Playos won the first round and the third round. Mike Bell said eh, he didn't win any rounds. 
And then Chris Lee said he won the second round. Literally nothing aligns on these scorecards for Claudio Playas. And I don't get it because he came forward, he shot takedowns, and he made stuff happen. And here's what Claudio Playlist did. Here are the statistics for this fight. If we look at the top row, that's the summary of the fight as a whole. Claudio Playlist went 7 of 13 in takedown attempts. He had 7 minutes of control time. And yes, the significant strike numbers are embarrassing for a three-round fight. But he was all in on the wrestling and the grappling. And I'm good with that. As long as he's not all in on a turtle upside down, I'm good with the forward pressure shooting takedowns trying to get it to the ground. That's where he's good. Farasiyam, only 31 significant strikes landed. It's not as if Farasiyam landed 197 strikes, so who cares that he was taken down? If we look at each individual round, obviously mixed success in each round, but I personally think you could have given that fight to Claudio Players. If you want to say split decision for Farasiyam, fine. But that one scorecard, 30-27, made no sense. In my opinion, what I think ends up happening in some of these fights are the offensive grappler, the person shooting takedowns. If they don't hit almost all their takedowns, or if they're just shooting half-ass takedowns and then come back up, sometimes that gets perceived as like desperation. Oh, this guy's just diving at legs now. Oh, he did... He's losing this fight, and I think that's what happens. I think that may have been what happened with Claudio Puelos here. Obviously, Frost had some success. I did not expect Frost to be that close to engage in that type of fight. I thought he would stay on the outside and pot shot. He's usually a guy that avoids danger, and Claudio Puelos had him in trouble. He got the takedowns, had the control time, was looking for submissions. If I'm a judge and I'm watching that fight, I see one guy constantly moving forward, trying to get the fight to the ground, trying to finish it when it is on the ground and racking up some control. I give that to him. I think Claudio Puelos won this fight, but this is not a screen robbery, robbery. That's not what this is. It was a very close fight, but I am going to say congratulations to Claudio Puelos for graduating from the Jiu-Jitsu Nerd Academy. He's, he's done with that place. He peaced out. He's heading off to a better world where there's takedowns and a full, well-rounded MMA arsenal. Let's talk about Edgar Charrez. This is the second fight in a row where he was losing the fight. Second fight in a row. Daniel Lacerda was beating him again. Then he got caught in a triangle. But that's the story of Daniel Lacerda's career, right? Pretty good, if not excellent, and then makes a stupid mistake or gasses out. I don't know what to do with Edgar Charrez. I don't know if he's very good or just durable. I don't know which one. Obviously, he made his UFC debut against Tatsuro Taira on short notice. He was a plus 600 underdog. He landed clean one time. He had a guillotine that didn't finish but looked pretty good for a little bit. Lost that fight to Tatsuro Taira and then got a ton of credit for that, right? A lot of people, and that happens. We see people lose fights, but they basically won as far as the fans are concerned. That's what happened to Edgar Charles in his first fight. Then the first fight with Daniel Lissader. Daniel's piecing him up. Piecing him up. He is getting hit. And Edgar Charles works his way into that power guillotine. Ref stops at no contest. Then we have this fight. Daniel Lissader, patient on the outside. Also touching up Charles. Takes Charles down and then gets triangled. So I don't know if it's like, yeah, Edgar Charles is just a slow starter. Yeah, he gets hit, but he's got... Pretty good striking, very good jujitsu on the ground. Or if it's like, nah, he's actually not that good. He's just tough. He's just durable. So people like Lacerda, who 
to have only a couple of minutes of explosion, he's going to beat them. I don't know. I am curious to know what you think. I am curious to see what his next matchup is because I think if Edgar Chavez gets like a Daniel Zellhuber of the world who's as long as him, who can fight a technical striking match, I think Chavez gets pieced up. His striking is not that good defensively. He gets hit. But he is tough. He is durable. He can grind. He is gritty. So... I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens, but this is a question to you. How good is Edgar Chavez? Is he that guy? Can he have success at this level? Or is it like, no, he lost his first fight, no contest in the second one, and just beat a guy who was literally 0-5-1 in his last six fights? I don't know. I guess we'll find out, but I do like that he is a durable guy and he is willing to fight. Let's talk about Hani Barcelos and Christian Quinones. First of all, Christian Quinones was Jacob's underdog lock of the week. And as much as I love shitting on Jacob, I also picked Christian Quinones to win this fight. My perspective was Honey Barcelos is old. He looks old. He's starting to slow down. And Christian Quinones is a dog. There is more than one fight of that dude with his arm basically broken into 11 pieces. And then he just survives, ends up on top, starts raining down punches. So I said, that guy, the dog at home, I'll pick him. And it did look like it was going that way. I think Christian Quinones won the first two rounds. The judges were mixed. One judge said he agreed. The other judge had the first two rounds, or the first, yeah, the first two rounds split between Quinones and Barcelos. So let me break down both of these guys. Christian Quinones, dog. We, uh, I thought he was a dog going into it. I know he's a dog coming out of it. Absolute dog. He fought a five-time Brazilian national champion wrestler, and he was shooting takedowns. Quinones was winning the wrestling exchanges. When he was taken down, boom, popped right back up like a bouncing Super Bowl. Then he shot his own takedowns. I think he looked good. He's got a chin on him. Honey Barcelos cranked, cranked a couple of overhands, and Quinones just ate them. But then in that third round, he's standing up all lazy, not protecting his chin, and Honey just sucked it up, and that was the end of that. So let's move to Honey Barcelos. A, great win. B, this is the best he's looked in years. He looked incredible. For a man that I just said is an old man, for a man that I said looks old, is starting to slow down, he didn't look like he was slowing down. He didn't look especially old in that fight. His cardio looked better than ever. And this was at elevation. Honey Barcelos looked great. His striking was pretty good too. It got a little loose. It got a little sloppy there, but he was winging power punches. Good on Hani Barcelos for probably zooming out, assessing his career and being like, I need to beat this kid. I need to beat this kid. And he went out there and he tried to beat that kid and ultimately he did. So I think both of these guys look great. And I think the takeaway is Hani Barcelos has some life left in him. Maybe he's not aging as rapidly as we thought and he just can't beat the top 15, top 20. But outside of that, he can beat a lot of these other people. And then we have a guy in Christian Quinones that's talented, that's insanely tough, insanely durable, but still needs to learn some shit. Standing up with your chin wide up in the air, like not protecting yourself at all, and then getting to it, that is what it is. He'll learn. This is the fight game. Almost nobody is undefeated. But that was a spectacular fight, and both of these guys looked really, really good. And at the end of the day, obviously, it's easy to have hindsight. It's easy to look backwards and be like, oh, how could you pick Christian Quinones, Honey Barcelos? Come on, man. That was a good 
pick at the time, and I think it still holds up. Obviously, he didn't win, so it ended up being a bad pick. But I think you watch the fight, you see a guy that's that tough, that gritty, that durable, make one mistake after being illegally need about four or five fence grabs from Hani Barcelos. This fight looks very, very different if that referee held Hani Barcelos more accountable for his illegal activity. And I said that sarcastically, but I am being serious. Honey Barcelos grabbed the fence more than once. That knee, it was funny because the commentating team was like, it hit the chest, it's perfectly legal. And then they're like, well, I mean, it, it did graze the chin. Yeah, well, then, then it's illegal, isn't it? Isn't it? But even without the knee, the fence grabs to me were far more important. The knee didn't matter that much. It's not like the knee had Quinones 90% rocked. To me, the fence grabs were the issue. Those were takedowns that 100% were going Quinones' way, and then Barcelos grabs the fence, no takedown. A takedown changes everything. So I do think those fouls mattered very much in this fight, but at the end of the day, both of these guys looked incredible. You can't blame Honey Barcelos for grabbing a fence and trying to win a fight. You can blame the referee for not doing what he's supposed to do and not holding the fighters accountable for those fouls. And the referees focus a ton on eye pokes and crotch shots as they should. But I don't think the penalties are severe enough for fence grabs because, yeah, if you're leaning on somebody and you're standing and somebody's like holding the fence, it's not that big of a deal. But if you are about to take somebody down, very clearly that fight was going to the ground and grabbing the fence keeps them up, that changes the course of the fight. That alters the, the butterfly effect and Ashton Kutcher's change in the world. I don't know how many of you are going to get that reference. That changes the course of the fight. That changes where it's about to go. And in my opinion, and they, pro I think rule-wise they're supposed to do this. I'm not a referee. Maybe Big John will weigh in on this. In my opinion, the referee should time out. That was going to be a takedown. The fence grab stopped it. You're starting down. Get down, get in his guard, go. That's what I think should happen in those cases because, like I said, it changes the course of the entire fight. I have another referee beef we'll get to in a little bit. Manuel Torres is the real deal. This guy is absolutely not a bum. He fought maybe the most dangerous guy that he's fought so far. And he ate his best shot and then finished him. Manuel Torres was absolutely blasted in the face by Chris Duncan. Chris Duncan came across blasted him and what did Manuel Torres do he kept his hands up and he backed up and he's like holy shit holy shit holy shit holy shit that's what was going on in his head I guarantee it holy shit holy shit holy shit backing up covering trying to recover and then Chris Duncan because he doesn't have the highest fight IQ shoots a takedown stupid stupid you just got this dude rocked very clearly he had to back up and get out of that situation because things weren't going well and you chase him to the cage, and then you go, hey, let me grab a leg. And then Manuel Torres defends the takedown, regains his composure, gets it to the ground, ends up choking Chris Duncan. So, yeah, part of that win for Manuel Torres was Chris Duncan's low fight IQ. Think Song Yadong versus Ian Gary. Almost the same situation, except Manuel Torres wasn't nearly as damaged as Ian Gary was in that fight. But I will say, that aside, Chris Duncan's fight IQ mistake aside, Manuel Torres is good. Like, dude, this dude is good. The takedown defense looked good. The striking was good. The submission, obviously, was incredible. Manuel Torres 
is very, very good. I do want to see, before I'm all in on this guy screaming that he's a future champ, I do want to see a fight go longer. What were the stats they were throwing out? 13 first round finish. It like I, I want to see a decision. I want to see a back and forth fight. I personally like to see at least one war in somebody's career. I felt this way against Sean O'Malley. I'm I'm not a Sean O'Malley fan. I thought Piotr Jan was going to break him. I mean, look at his legs. I thought I thought Piotr Jan was going to break that guy. Instead, it was a war. They dropped each other. It was gritty. They went back and forth. And whether I agree or not with the decision in that fight, what I can agree on is Sean O'Malley showed us he can be a dog. And from that point forward, it's like, all right, well, we know he can be a dog. And I think Manuel Torres needs a fight like that before we could all go all in because I don't know what happens if we're in the third round and it's a back and forth fight. Can you just outgrind him? I don't know. But for now, doing what he's done, the way he's done it, and the speed he's done it in, Manuel Torres is absolutely the real deal. So is it Yasmin Yaryui? And first of all, I'm saying Yasmin Yaryui. I mean, the that's not her name. The what the announcers were like, I'll have to go back and listen to the whole time. Every time they said her name, I'm like, Jesus. That is that it does not flow off the tongue. It sounds like you're having a stroke halfway through saying it. Anyway, Yasmin Yaryui looked fantastic. She looked absolutely fantastic at no point in this fight did she slow down at no point in this fight was she making mistakes at no point in this fight did it look like sam could have a glimmer of hope sam was just a punching bag throwing like this while moving forward and we all knew sam hughes wasn't the most technical fighter on the roster but we also knew that she was a dog we also knew that she would take her beating and move forward and that she would try to shoot takedowns try to grind against cage try to make something happen and she did try to do those things. This is just a fight where one fighter was way better than the other. You can't criticize Sam Hughes and her game plan and the mistakes she made. She fought to the best of her abilities. And unfortunately for her, her abilities just weren't good enough. And that's the case with every single fighter on the planet except one. There's only one champ and then everybody under them is just not as good. And that's what happened here. We saw that there are levels to MMA. And Yasmin Yaryui looked incredible was just landing clean. Her hands were coming back. Her feet were moving constantly. Her head was moving. She didn't slow down for a half a second. Three full rounds just pieced up Sam Hughes. And she looked spectacular. She looked every bit of the minus 525 favorite or whatever she was. And frankly, I was going to put her in the safety parlay. And I should have. Hindsight. But I was like, well, Sam Hughes is crazy tough. And obviously, I stand by that. Sam Hughes is crazy tough. She just fought somebody that had so much technique, toughness wasn't going to get it done. And here's some toughness. This is the exact same fight. We had somebody with so much technique in Daniel Zellhuber that the toughness from Francisco Prado didn't matter. Didn't ma- doesn't matter how tough you are. When the other person in that cage with you is just that much better, it doesn't matter how tough you are. But what I will say is, I was nervous. Daniel Zellhuber was the first leg of the safety parlay. I thought he was going to blow up the safety parlay. Not freaking Brandon Moreno. Anyway, Prado is good. He's very good. He's got a nice tight guard. He moved forward. He threw great leg kicks to the point where Zellhuber's leg was literally deformed. Go look up pictures of his leg. I couldn't find any. Go look up pictures of his leg. It was literally deformed from Prado's leg kicks. 
Then Prado did a great job. He was connecting. He would work his way in, bob and weave in, and then bang, bang, come to the head. And he was connecting. And then he didn't even stop doing that. It's not as if Prado didn't get a knockout in the first round and then slowed down dramatically. Even when his face looked like this, he was still moving forward, bombing away. So a couple of takeaways here. First, Francisco Prado is tough as shit, has technique, and hits very hard. He is a very good fighter. Second, Daniel Zellhuber is also a very good fighter. And I think his biggest asset, obviously his reach is important, his technique is important, but his composure is incredible. Daniel Zellhuber's ability, yep, I got there, ability, I added a syllable the first time I said it. Daniel Zellhuber's ability to avoid a slugfest to avoid chaos is incredible because Prada was coming forward trying to bring chaos and Zell Huber would just pump and circle, pump and circle. And even when there was a close fight and like that round wasn't perfect, his corner sat him down and said, I need you to pump your jab. He cannot fight you at range, pump your jab. And he sat, yes, coach. And he went out there and that's exactly what he did. He pumped his jab and he fought at range. So now we have a young guy, he's only 24 or something like that, who has composure, who listens to his coaches, who has all the physical attributes, right? He's long, he's in shape, he can be powerful, he's got a good chin. Daniel Zellhuber could absolutely be the real deal. And I'm looking forward to both of these guys' next fights because Prado showed us he's a dog and he's dangerous. Zellhuber showed us that he's composed, he can eat a shot, and he can out-technique people. This was an incredible fight and I'm looking forward to seeing both of them again. And Brian Ortega is back. And I say that, and there's an exclamation point on the screen, like I'm this huge Brian Ortega fan. I'm not. I love watching him fight, but I didn't go into this. I mean, Brian Ortega has an army of loyalists that love watching him fight, that think he's incredible, and they're huge fans. Great, good for you. I'm not one of those people. I think he's a good fighter, fun to watch. But going into this week, I was, I was getting bullied a little bit by Jacob and the rest of the internet. First of all, how I let a 5-6 tomato-faced bum bully me is crazy. I don't know how I let that happen, but Jacob and I did fist fight, and if you want to see that fight, it's on the YouTube channel. Just go to our channel, hit videos, and you'll see it. Anyway, I said going into this week that Brian Ortega looked good in the first fight. I said that Yair Rodriguez is dangerous. Yair Rodriguez is tough, but he can break. And the comparison was, we have seen Brian Ortega not break. We have seen Brian Ortega take absolute beatings and continue to move forward. But I've seen Yair Rodriguez break. It looked like Max Holloway broke him. It looked like Volkanovski broke him. And I felt like Ortega had some success in their first fight with the takedown. Landed some clean shots, ate whatever came his way, and he could have that same success here. As the week went on, I let the outside noises of the comments section and Jacob worry me a little bit. And then I got nervous and I almost accepted like, yeah, yeah, you're already going to beat this dude's ass. He's a dangerous striker. Ortega's coming off two years away, year and a half away. I messed up. I shouldn't have picked Ortega. And on the live stream, when I did my breakdown, and I said Ortega would win. Jacob did his puffed chest bullshit said, I'll bet you $500 on bet openly that Yair Rodriguez wins. And I took that bet, mostly because the camera was on. I didn't want to look like a bitch in front of everybody on the internet because I never would have taken that bet otherwise. 
and I'm glad I did because it cashed. I have $500 of Jacob's money in my pocket. If you want to see the bet openly ticket, we've posted that as well. But either way, a couple things. Yair Rodriguez does have a quit button. He breaks. He breaks. And it sucks because he is so talented on the feet. I mean, he was doing whatever he wanted to on the feet. But then as soon as they were in a clinch position, he got taken down. He quit. He literally quit every single... He didn't quit just one time in this fight. He quit every single time he was taken down. Did almost nothing. Early, he's moving his legs. He's trying to make something happen. And then later, after he like felt some Ortega pressure, I don't know if Yair already gets gassed or what, but that dude broke. Just straight up broke. Didn't do anything. Ortega survived. I don't know how. And then he came forward and grinded out a win. The fact that Ortega basically broke his ankle before the fight started also was like, ah, shit. This 500 bucks is gone. But then he looked totally fine. Like, shook it out. I've rolled my ankles many, many times. I just have, I don't know what up, weak, I'm going to say weak. I have weak ankles. I've rolled them a lot. Actually, here's a little peek into our home life. I've got two little girls. At night, we do secrets. I don't know why they call them secrets, but we just say something stupid. Like, oh, five sleeps till your friends come over. Stupid shit like that. And last year, I'm walking with my daughters. Just one. The other one was at school. And there was, it was the fall, and there was leaves everywhere, and I'm walking on the sidewalk, and I rolled my ankle, and I ate shit into a pile of leaves. And it hurt. And she's cracking up laughing. Like, what an asshole. Cracking up laughing. And now, every single night when we do these bedtime secrets, one of them is, secret number five, daddy fell in the leaves. It's been like that for two years. So I my ankles suck. And it takes me more than 30 seconds to shake off a rolled ankle. Somehow, Brian Ortega didn't even need 30 seconds. He jumped up real quick like, oh, shit. Grabbed it with his hand, and then he's bouncing around on it, moving, nothing happened. So Brian Ortega looked incredible. We know for a fact he does not have a quit button, but he gets his ass beat by Ilya Taporia. Ilya Taporia beats this dude's ass. He's not getting taken down with those sloppy-ass Ortega takedowns. He's landing all the power in the world, and we know that Ilya can go five rounds. So Ilya Taporia beats the shit out of Brian Ortega. That is not the fight they should do next. Give Brian, I mean... Brian looked great after he looked terrible. Let's get him another win so he can look great the whole fight, see what that looks like, and go from there. But good for Brian Ortega. Won me $500 made up for anything that the safety parlay did not deliver on. And speaking of that safety parlay, Brandon Moreno was the second leg of the safety parlay. If you don't know what that is, I do a parlay every single week. I call it the safety parlay because I trust it. I believe in it. It has incredible long-term success. We're on a nine-parlay win streak heading into this event. And the parlay was Daniel Zellhuber and Brandon Moreno. I was worried about Daniel Zellhuber blowing it. That I mean, that couldn't have been further from the truth. Brandon Moreno blew it. And I'll tell you, I could sit here and be like, oh, robbery, because it was a controversial decision. I think most of us agree. I could say robbery and try to hide behind that. No, I think Roy Val won this fight. I would have scored it for Roy Val. Absolutely would have scored it for Roy Val. Two things. One, Brandon Moreno looked like he forgot how to throw combinations. 
This dude just ducks his head, backs up, and then when long-ass forward pressure Roy Val comes in, Moreno just wings a punch. And he was connecting. Right, The left side of Roy Val's face was beat up, or the right side, I don't know, the camera, was beat up. But dude, this is a five-round fight, and all you did was wing overhands. How the hell was Brandon Moreno champion? So now the question becomes, was Brandon Moreno always this bad? Or was this just a one-off situation? And somebody commented, I believe on my DraftKings video, when I'm like, oh, Brandon Moreno's going to win. Probably, you know, I was almost positive he was. I put him in the freaking safety parlay. Somebody said, but Brandon's never won in Mexico. And it's like, yeah, well, neither has Roy Val. Who cares? Well, Brandon is still never won in Mexico. And, and actually, I keep saying Brandon, which doesn't help because I did that last night. I'm sitting there. It's freaking midnight. I'm exhausted. I've got my laptop ready to go. And I don't want to karma anything. So I haven't typed up the safety parlay one yet because I don't want to karma it in reverse. So I'm just sitting there waiting. And then they announced, you know, by split decision, Brandon. I was like, yes. The dog was like, what the fuck? And then I realized, oh, they're both named Brandon. And Roy Val was raising his arm. And it still took me a couple seconds to register. I'm like, this idiot thinks he... Oh, shit, his name's Brandon, too. Anyway, in all seriousness, though, Brandon Moreno looked terrible. He looked terrible. And you can't blame cardio because he looked terrible from the jump. It's not like he slowed down. And yeah, Roy Val sped up. Roy Val picked up the pace. Roy Val did better as the fight went on. But Moreno looked terrible from, from round one to round five. Of course, he did not lose every round. There was some wrestling success. And he did land those big overhands. But he was not throwing in combinations. He was just throwing one punch at a time. Had no problem backing up. At one point, he literally ran away. Nobody clowned him like they did Chelsea Chandler. Literally ran away. I think Moreno just looked terrible. He, he's definitely never going to be champion again. Never. Pantoja's not running away like that. Pantoja will move forward and grapple and grind. And here's my other issue with this fight. Herb Dean. Freaking Herb Dean. Brandon Moreno would have a body lock or top control for 30 seconds. And Herb Dean is like, you got to go. You got to go. Let's go. Get up. Move, move, move. Separating him off the cage. Standing him up off the ground. When they were just feeling out range. I need activity. Dude. Your job is to make sure that the fighters follow the rules and are safe. That's it. Your job is not to make sure the fans are entertained. That's not your job. So to separate those fighters for the fans' sake is bullshit. To tell them to engage when it's early in the fight and they're feeling out range is bullshit. To get Moreno off of Roy Valley against the cage because... I mean, he had him against the cage. He's landing knees. Nothing insane, but he's doing something to separate that is bullshit. Herb Dean's refereeing in that fight was insane. That is not your job. Your job is to make sure that those fighters are safe and to make sure they follow the agreed upon rules. And yes, I know there are literally rules about not fighting. There's literally rules about that. But that's not what we saw gauging range, holding somebody against the cage, taking them down and hanging out. That's not a violation of the rules. It's insane that Herb Dean did that. It's And I'm like, you, I'm genuinely upset. Not because the bet lost, because I don't even know if that affected the outcome. Because Moreno won the fifth round, and the fifth round is where Herb did a lot of the separating. 
So I don't even think it really affected the outcome. It's just the insanity that was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you weighing in on this? Leave this alone. Unless there's a foul, unless there's a rule break, unless somebody is like in danger or hurt, stay the hell out of the way. Dude, and this sport passes people by. It is crazy. We talked about Rogan being sort of a too old in his mindset for the commentary last week. And now it's like, is Herb Dean just too old to be refing? I wouldn't think refing had an expiration date on it. And maybe it was just one bad night with some bad decisions because I love Herb Dean. I mean, he's an OG guy. He's been here forever doing this before it was cool to do this. So I don't want to disparage Herb Dean's entire career, even though he does have a couple of sketchy fights in there. But when you ref thousands of fights, of course, not everybody's going to agree with every single thing you do. Refing is a thousand times harder than judging. When you're refing, you have to make a split second decision that could change a fighter's life. Or if you don't make a decision, it could ruin a fighter's life. So refing is insanely hard, insanely hard. I've never refed an MMA fight, but I've refed plenty of wrestling matches. And even that is hard. You call two and you're wrong. It's like, oh, fuck, I changed the whole... I get it. It's insanely hard. And I'm not trying to disparage Herb Dean his entire career. But in that fight, those decisions to separate them, to scream for action after minimal amounts of time is crazy to me. I don't think it affects the outcome, but it, it certainly was tough to watch. I talked about Brandon Moreno, how bad he looked. Talked about Herb Dean, how bad I think he performed in his referee duties. Let's talk about Roy Val very quickly. First of all, this guy's giant. He's massive for this weight. Look, look at this picture. Look how much bigger and longer he is. His cardio was insane. He just kept moving forward, throwing, 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 throwing. Insane cardio. When they got to the ground, nuts busy. Nuts busy. The few times Moreno did take him down. All of a sudden, Roy Val's throwing stuff up, moving nonstop. And he just... I would say Brandon Royval is the epitome of you can use cardio as a weapon because that's what this was. His cardio was a weapon. And I don't necessarily think cardio was the reason Moreno lost, but Royval's cardio is certainly the reason he won. The constant forward pressure, the constant movement on the ground, always doing something just looked really good to the judges. I would have scored it for him as well. I think Royval won this fight. Safety parlay missed, but 9 of 10. We hit nine in a row. What goes up must come down. It is what it is. That's why I was always very clear. I'm going to talk about the 73% event win rate. We're going to talk about the 30% ROI. I'm also going to talk about, you don't see anything on this screen that says 100% because you're going to get people like Brandon Moreno who just wake up and decide, I think I'm just going to bomb overhands. Yeah, that's what we're going to do, coach. I'm going to go out there. I'm just going to bomb overhands see what happens. And even in the third round, when it's like, oh, these aren't knocking them out or even wobbling them, I'm just going to keep bombing overhands and then maybe it'll work out for me. Guys, let me know your thoughts on the fights. Let me know what you think. Uh, overall, I do think it was a good event. The canceled fight was annoying as shit. They're probably going to move Rosas to UFC Vegas 87, which is quite literally the worst card the UFC has ever put on. So add that kid on there to help spruce it up a little bit couple of weird decisions. I didn't touch on all the fights because I didn't watch all the fights. But guys, let me know your thoughts. If you do want to become a premium member, it is more than just some bets. 
This is not a Patreon list of four or five bets and you're crossing your fingers hoping for the best. We have tools, interactive information, insight. You go to the website, you log in, and you have a whole suite of tools and information to help you help yourself for these fights every single week. Just go to wewantpicks.com, click become a member at the top. It's only $10 a month. You're gonna get the line movement tracker, opening odds, current odds, win probability, and line movement for every single fight. I've highlighted Claudio Ribeiro here. Dude open at minus 250 is now plus 205. That line movement can really help you find your spots. You're also going to get the detailed data, metrics, and analytics, 38 columns of information to help you find prop bets, help you avoid bets that don't make sense. You're going to get the safety parlay. You're going to get all the picks, the bets, the round line leans, and more. We want picks.com. Just click become a member at the top.